Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap live podcast. How you doing this week, Mike? It's happening. We're live. I'm great. I was just listening a little while ago to our Fred Burton episode, and man, what a delight it was last week to talk to that guy, a true American hero. That was a very good, very good um, podcast. It really... Nice treat to talk to him. Uh, like I said, you know, at the end of the last one, I I could have sat there and talked to him for hours. So right, right, kind of like we're gonna do tonight with American Assassin Part Two. Yes, I, who knows? It might it might go for a couple hours. Although we have some listeners on here who uh, one's on our lunch break, so we we need to keep it. I don't know. I don't know how long of a lunch you get wherever you are. So where, where, you you know where she's from, right, Mike? Uh, if that's Mika, you can see the names. Then yes. uh, New Zealand. No, oh, New Zealand. Oh, okay, that makes sense now. Like lunch, it's it's eight, nine o'clock here. Yes, <laughs> other side of the globe. Wow, they well, love welcome. Mitch Rap everywhere. Mitch Rap is is universal. It is. It is. Well, we love seeing the comments coming in. So thank you guys. We can have some of them right here up on our screen. We will try to respond to as many as we can. Always good to have Mika and, and Dawn, one of our patrons, with us from the very beginning. Welcome. Thanks for being with us tonight. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And speaking of patrons. Right. You got you guys get a special treat. You get to see our, us spin the wheel live. So we got to do our monthly giveaway. So this Mike just put it up on the screen. We have a Blu-ray, American Assassin. With all the with all the special features, yep, Mike yep. actually tested it out for you, so it still it actually works. Uh, the special features do work; they have been watched once, <laughs> and the movie was watched once and will not be watched again. Uh, never again, at, at least in this household. We hope one of our patrons uh, who helps support the show enjoys it. If you already have a Blu-ray copy of the movie, we are happy to purchase a paperback, a thriller paperback of your choice. But if you don't have the Blu-ray disc, this will be yours. All right, I'm going to spin the wheel to uh, right, keep us it. moving. Here we go. Which of our fabulous patrons will get this? Oh, the evil book lady, one of my favorite Twitter handles, Julie S. Congrats. Yes, congrats, evil book lady. I'll be reaching out to you, see if you want this copy of Blu-ray or perhaps any other thriller paperback that we can ship your way. Yes. I think we have a couple other listener shout-outs, not just our patrons. We do, we do. So speaking of the movie and how much Mike, that's funny, Don just posted in the in the chat, Mike can't get rid of that copy fast <laughs> enough. Um, um, but yeah, we, speaking of, of Mika from New Zealand, we got our very first listener-submitted limerick. Limerick. So this time I'm going to read it to you, Mike. Since right. I'm, I'm not good at writing them, but I'm good at reading stuff. So Regale me with I, it, please. I, I think I, I think I am. All right. The origin story of our favorite assassin, a film Mike hates with a passion. It didn't follow the book, leaving longtime Mitch fans shook. Hopefully, he can pretend it didn't happen. Ah, that's a good one. Good job, Mika. I like that it, a lot. That's it. You know what? I'm going to see what international postage looks like because we promised a sticker to <laughs> anyone who submitted a limerick. And, and so, Mika, you, you came through for us. So um, 
let me look into international <laughs> shipping rates and see if we can uh, we can get you a sticker out out your way. And, the and world. you might as well you might as well send a bookmark too. Since you're you're going to go through all yeah. that effort. I think we have two of those left, so let's do that. But if you would oh, like I got to get a whole your stack, own stickers. So. That's right. You'd like to get your own stickers and bookmarks. Uh, you can help support financially what we're doing here at Mitch Rap Pod by visiting patreon.com slash Mitch Pod. And also what you'll be helping fund is our commitment to give back to the military community through Operation Paperback. We next month will be hitting the 200 mark of how wow. many Vince Flynn books and thrillers we put in the hands thanks to you guys, the patrons of our troops and veterans so every bit uh helps out with that effort and keeping the podcast alive thank you guys yes awesome awesome all right well um there was one other listener we would like to shout out who left us a voicemail and this person you could tell they must work in the intelligence business because they're anonymous they did not tell us who they are so it was a a covert voicemail but had a really good reading suggestion some of you listeners will probably have read this one, Surprise, Kill, Vanish, The Secret History of CIA Paramilitary Armies, Operators, and Assassins by Annie Jacobson. So thank you for that suggestion, mystery or uh, clandestine caller. But he also asked in the voicemail, have you heard of Billy Wah? W-A-U-G-H. No. I, I hadn't, right? But I had to look it up because he asked, I think after reading this book with Annie Jacobson, he might be the real Stan Hurley. And I looked really? him up. This dude is 91, supposedly is still a contractor with the CIA. At 70, I think 71 or something, he was on the ground, boots on the ground in Afghanistan. 91. And, he, and he's crazy. an operator with, with the CIA. And before that, I think he was Army Special Forces. I guess Green Berets, if I'm not mistaken. So this guy was this, asking. This me. reminds me of, oh, what's the book where like they bring Hurley out of retirement and he goes on the mission with, with Gould and, you know, we're going to get to that in, in the next couple of months. But uh, yeah, that reminds me of, you know, just this guy, who, like Hurley with a cane, you know. Is that the last man? I think it might back, be the last man. Yeah, because he's still around. That's right. I think he is. Or, or is it the it. survivor? I don't know. It's one of the two. It, it, oh, yeah. I think Kyle brings him out. Hey, well, we're going to get there. In the next yeah, uh, we're get there. few weeks here. So one other thing that he mentioned in the book when I looked it up was that Billy Wah, this 91 year old special forces CIA operative, he wrote a book called Hunting the Jackal about his exploits, I guess, decades in covert operations. And particularly that title is about hunting Carlos the Jackal, which Fred Burton just mm, told us right, he was right. also uh, doing through his career. So we've got a real life Stan Hurley. Maybe a Thomas Stansfield in our midst. It's pretty awesome. The, the people were, were meeting and learning about their stories through this podcast. Yeah, it's very cool. Actually, you know, I was texting you before we went on and I went to this wedding this weekend and I have, I think I have lined up three interviews, uh, two, two people with the FBI. One right. was a polygrapher. One, one did the fingerprinting of Saddam Hussein. And, uh, and, and, and uh, the third is just an ambassador, you know, who ambassador of Brazil. So, Okay, we got a couple of cool guests coming for you guys. You know, we, we try right. to keep those coming. We like meeting these these uh, amazing people who have done amazing things in the intelligence community. So, right. Well, our ambassadors and our State Department are always, we hope, collaborating with mm-hmm. the CIA and the Chief of Station right. in their embassy. So, um, that would be a really cool one to uh, to get on the show. 
Yes. Nice. All right. Well, um, I think that does it for our shout outs. So please, the last thing we can ask of you is give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. A rating really helps. Great way to give back. And Chris, what's coming next? What are we doing today? All right. Today we are doing American Assassin Part 2. Yay. Sorry, it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy here. I don't know if you guys can tell, but um, I'm currently in my laundry room, my new <laughs> laundry room. I'm set up on a mini fridge and I'm sitting on a cooler of beer because uh, it's empty, unfortunately. Damn. And um, yeah, because I don't have my podcast studio set up yet. And this <laughs> I feel like was the best. Essentially, it was the room farthest away from the kids. So let's just put it that way. I was going to say, so, where are their bedrooms in relation to this laundry Two floors room? up. Two floors oh, up. perfect. So, Mint. Um, <laughs> I apologize if there's any weird sounds coming out of this room. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why we've had delayed because I, I moved. Uh, and last week, I lost my lost my microphone. I have a new <laughs> microphone. Um, it's just been crazy. Um, but anyways, we're here. We're back. We're live. We're doing American Assassin Part 2. We're keeping it positive. I can't wait. We're keeping it positive. Wait. Oh, yeah, let's positive vibes. Positive vibes only, Mike. You know what brings positive vibes to this podcast? Oh, I think I know. But tell My me. favorite way to review a book is in the form of a limerick. You wouldn't say. Here we go. There once was an American assassin, fully trained and sent to kick some ass in. Geneva, Zurich, Beirut. Professional hits you cannot dispute. Bastards of Islamic Jihad, he's blasting. The first or the eleventh rap book? Which reading order have you took? It doesn't matter. The competition is shattered. Rap's origin story has me shook. That's funny. Both you and Mika use that has me shook or has them shook. That's funny. I think I like Mika's more. I think she wins <laughs> the limerick battle of tonight. The limerick, uh... Well, that was good. That was a good one, Mike. That's funny you brought up the uh, first or eleventh. Right. I'd be interested to know what most people do because I feel like for me, I started obviously. I love doing. I or I always do publication order, but I feel like most people do American Assassin first. Right. I've encountered that on social media. That is by far the more common way people have encountered the books. Yeah. All right. It just adds like it. I feel like you build up this character and then it's so much. It's a little more rewarding when like you come back like pre-visit it because you get all these little hints right i don't know we could do a whole pod on like uh the pros and cons of each one but. right i was so excited was it protect and defend where we meet an old stan hurley or extreme measures yeah, maybe ex- in, yeah, yeah, in the lake anna house which is now a full-on bunker and yeah extre- extreme measures right. that was almost like a treat when you got american assassin you were like oh i get the backstory on this guy so yeah yeah yes all right, well, um, we got a theme for today, and, and I picked this one. Chris, you're usually our theme guy. You had a lot going on. I had so, a lot going on, so you, you, <laughs> you had the bulk of the work to do, so you got the theme. And I like it. I like the theme. But you inspired me. When you asked Fred Burton last week about America getting back in the game and how we can't be perceived as soft, you know, the terrorists only respond and speak one language, and that's strength, power, violence. So I thought of fighting fire with fire. Hmm. How very true. Thomas Stansfield is actually putting the terrorists on their heels by taking this aggressive stance. Uh, there's a couple of scenes here where you hear, I think it's the Russians and maybe the Iranian and Islamic Jihad representatives like 
that guy Stansfield don't mess around. America is going to be different this time. Now that we kidnap two more of their people, they're not going to play games anymore. And I think talking to Fred Burton and so many other people, that's exactly what we needed. And an Orion team, right place, right time, Beirut in the early 90s, late 80s uh, is spot on. And I love that Vince was tuned into that and picked out, you know, fighting fire with fire as uh, a theme of this book. Right. I, and what's interesting to me is that there's even like a couple conversations between uh, maybe I think it might be just the Russians where they're like, it can't be the Americans. The Americans aren't aren't in it. Right. When the group like like where you have um, Fatah, what's his the name? Palestinian. Yeah, like Fatah and, and Radi and, and Sayed Radi, and yeah. Igmag Munia. Like they're all talking right. and they're like, yeah, the Americans aren't going to do anything. We can just do this. But yeah, no, like in quick, it's it's almost. I love one thing I wanted to point out was it's kind of crazy when I looked back today or you know in the last couple of days putting together the notes, we only got up to chapter like twenty three in our part one, so we have you know from twenty three to sixty six, sixty seven, whatever, essentially two thirds of the book left to cover. But I, I feel like it went so fast; it was very compact. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and because we start off, it's like as soon as we're out of that uh, training mode. Out of out of Lake Anna, and right after Rap's first kill, boom, we go into the the second mission where they're they're trying to get that the, the banker, and then boom, Dorf we man. get that. We're going to talk about that little um, that little chapter where he's like hunting down, um, oh, you know, the guy he, in Geneva. Yeah, Mitch goes on this yeah. side trip, and it's His like this kind kill, of right? it's kind of like this weird like why is that chapter even needed? But it, it right. was so detailed, it was really cool, right. and then. We have the scene in, in Germany, a, l- a little a little prelude, and then yeah, a lot of action in Beirut, and it just the, just the the second forty chapters or the the last forty chapters of the book go way felt like they read way faster than the first twenty. They're both really exciting, but it's just like the pace of them was much different. Right. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast how very often Vince's books are two books in one. And they complement each other so well. I think this one pulls that off better than most. You know, this right. S- I, the right. first half, like I'm almost disappointed. We we are done with the training scene and the and the lake. You could have you could have went longer with that. You could have right. totally went longer with it. Like I'm I'm disappointed it's gone, but it was so easy to savor in that I think nine chapters back to back were at the same location with the same characters. So I, I think like, that's this why. Is I think that's a big reason. Right. And and I love that. And then it was kind of nice to go back to the Flinnianism of jumping between perspectives and trying to think how are these all going to come together and getting that kind of globe trotting, like you said, uh, Geneva to Zurich to me with the banker. We're coming from Istanbul and we're going to end up in Beirut. And I just really like that the book snapped into that. And uh, it, it almost each half complements itself perfectly, almost doing the opposite of what the other half was missing. Right. Very yeah. true. Well, this, this is how it kicks off, and, and it all comes back to the prelude. So seeing how Vince can tie it all together, the theme, Fighting Fire with Fire, is also brought up in the, because in the prelude, we're kind of dropped in that something's going to happen to Mitch. And so I also came up with that theme when Vince wrote, quote, His captors had no idea of the true intent of the man they now had in their possession, and more importantly, no idea of the violence and mayhem he was about to visit upon them. That's the whole second half. The violence and mayhem Rap and Hurley are going to bring down on this network of terrorists and Russians. 
and I I know we're probably going to talk at length on I guess it's chapter sixty or whatever. Where essentially the we're seeing the prelude again, mm-hmm. but now we get much more details. We know the whole right. backstory, and, and I love that. That's one of like I don't think Vince has done that very often, but right. um, doing that I, I love I I really enjoyed that. Just I love the perspective it. you you hook someone in the very first chapter. Right. What is this? And then you go back to it and you give us the full detail. And I don't know, brilliant writing right there. You remember those that line of two of his friends were captured. Both he trusted, but one he admired and one he hated. His and guts. one he hated, yeah. If if you remembered that one line after the training at Lake Anna, there's such a payoff. Right, like, exactly. When you're when you're like, oh, Rap's gonna go and have to get taken. Oh wait, he's gonna save two people. You know, that's Richards and that's Hurley, the one he hated for beating the living shit out of him in the <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> right, right. All right, so we kick it off. I guess last time we talked about Rap's first kill. And then there's a little bit of a fallout um, afterwards, I guess. You know, Rap went a little bit rogue. I guess we touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to bring it up again here. Is that the conversation with Stansfield that he has where like Stansfield walks in. And Midge is just sitting there, probably drinking black coffee, reading a newspaper. And, you know, Mitch doesn't know who this guy is. And Stansfield is sort of eyeing him up and, and really wants to have that relationship with him. And I, I bring that up again here because that comes into play at the very last chapter mm-hmm. where, you know, Mitch is being a bodyguard, which we don't see Mitch being a bodyguard that often. And they, you begin to see this relationship that they really have. And right. it was unfortunate. We, we don't get very much of Stansfield, I guess. We get him in this book. We get him a little bit in the next book. And obviously, I think his main book is Term Limits, right? Uh, which mm-hmm. Mitch is not in. And then we get him a little in the first two. And then he's, you know, he dies in between yeah. the, the, the third and the second and the third. So third option he was great in. You begin to, you, you realize how like, the, their, the fruitfulness of their relationship Right. In, in you know when you look at both that chapter and then the very last chapter here and you can see how it blossoms and i just wanted to point that out because i thought again the vince connecting these relationships and i that's why i think like sometimes you could probably go back and do an origin story and it not be fulfilling you know just but here i i really feel like you know vince checks off all the boxes and does right. you know does mitch right like sets everything up correctly. Like I think looking at who Irene is, looking at who Stan Hurley is, looking at Stansfield and and seeing how Mitch begins all these relationships are are true to the rest of the books and how they were described previously. Yeah. Vince is able to get so deep in so few words. He has great economy of words because it's a short conversation with Stansfield and Mitch, but you know, Stansfield has his back. Stansfield's going to go into a room of not even just bickering, but full-on almost at each other's throats, Hurley and Irene. Hurley wants to kick him out. Irene's kind of pissed that he broke protocol also. And Stansfield just kind of, his gravitas just closes the argument down. This kid's special. In five minutes of talking with him, I know he's the profile we need. We got to get in the game. Stansfield backs up rap. And I love this, like, mentor kind of role Stansfield plays. Stansfield really wants Rap to know after his first kill of Sharif, he wants him to know I was the judge and jury. You are only the executioner. Mm. And I wasn't sure why that's so important, but Vince's writing is so heavy there. And I think 
After Rap's kill, Stansfield is trying to make sure Rap's okay. And that Rap knows, you know, all the weight of the world doesn't have to be on his shoulders. Sure, he pulled the trigger, what, five times? But that was a decision beyond just him. Uh, there are lots of other people involved. And so Stansfield is really taking care of Mitch, teaching him a lesson, and really showing, I'm going to have your back. Like, we don't just send you to do with, do something and forget about you. Stansfield is saying, I'm the reason this happened, and, you know, I will be with you. And then at the end, like you said, he wants to prove that to him, and he says, you know, Mitch, I will go great lengths to get my guys back. Absolute great lengths. And the movie gave a nod to that. I'm kind of proud of the movie having the role of Ghost being left and Hurley not coming to save him because Stansfield and, and ergo Vince made such an important link between our operatives knowing they're supported back home. It, upon, I don't know, maybe upon, re, like, I think watching the movie in the middle of reading this book made me then think about the movie differently. Like, I appreciated some of the things that they actually did try to adapt correctly. I still give it a C minus, but, you know, anyways, so. <laughs> yeah, and I still give it a D plus. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> All right, so we have, we have Rap's first kill, and then we quickly move to his second kill, or his well, second mission. This Dorfman scene, yeah. yeah. And, and we were just talking about the fallout and the psychological effects. So, I mean, they go after the banker because Hurley's big plan is if we steal the terrorist money and we know it's a joint bank account with the Russians, we'll get them to pop their heads up, right? They'll make some phone calls. They'll turn right. on each other. Follow the money. Follow the money. If these factions don't trust each other and are skeptical of each other, that's better for us and they'll make mistakes. So they want to get this this banker and they go to geneva rap is thinking about how to get this guy to talk because he notices there's not pictures of the guy's wife who they tied up and they're not going to hurt afterwards but there's more pictures of his dog and so when hurley's interrogation is going nowhere you know the gun to the head you know pistol whip him you scare the daylights out of him and the guy's still not cracking and not going to give up all the bank accounts and the and the lock to the safe well, Rap says, I'm going to go downstairs and grab the dogs. And Hurley Ooh. gives him the leverage, gives him the space in the field to take the lead on the interrogation. I, I think that's big of Hurley to step back was. when his methods weren't working. He could have been easily been like, you know, like, shut shut up, kid. Like, I, I, I know what I'm doing here. But he, he yeah. let Rap go and, and Rap, Rap was able to do it. Obviously, uh, this Dorfman guy cared more about his dogs than his wife. Um, so they got the information. Yeah. But here's the quote I started with. So Rap threatens to torture one of these poodles in front of him, and the guy spills the beans, opens the safety deposit and the, the lockbox. But later that night, think of the psychology of Rap after not a second kill, but a, a really, really like harsh interrogation. <laughs> Rap was dreaming of poodles, bad comb-over hairdos, and trussed-up plump German women. <laughs> then an expanding pool of blood under Dorfman's head. How far had it stretched, he wondered? Would it begin to dry in the arid winter air? How much blood was actually in a human head? One pint? Before he could decide, he drifted off. <laughs> yes, and but I will say I was glad that Mitch did not hurt the dog. Uh, right. I don't think Mitch would have hurt the dog. He was just he was always uh, you know stalling or you know using it as well, a tactic. Whatever it takes, yeah, whatever it takes to get the job whatever done. It takes. But he didn't want but to actually hurt them. I think wraps the dog lever. We know from his Shirley times. So right, right. And then there's a long drive. I kind of like the bonding 
and I guess you could say some monologues from Hurley as the, yeah. the trio of assassins is, is driving to Zurich to meet with the Olmeyers. I feel like Hurley is just, uh, he's taking us down memory, li- memory lane here. Yeah, we, we get a lot of like, you know, just Hurley backstory and right or just, you know, CIA backstory, whatever mission missions of the past, which is, is kind of cool. Um, I'm, I'm envisioning, you know, cause like you obviously got Richards in the back or in the side, whatever. And it reminds me of like that scene from Captain America or one of the Avengers where you have Captain America, you have Falcon and you have uh, the winter soldier. And I feel like Captain America is Stan Hurley. And then you have, you have Falcon and, and the winter soldier and Richards and, and Richards and Mitch Rapp. Yeah. So I, I don't know why that popped in my head that, uh, during that time, but it did. Yeah. And another Hurley is still teaching lessons, though. So he's trying to get the kids, Rap and Richards, to piece together like I've seen some shit in Beirut. There's, you know, the bombing in 83, the kidnapping of Bill Buckley in 84. And then there was the U.S. shot down from the USS Vincennes uh, in 88, an Iranian plane, which led to them retaliating, we believe, possibly in bed with these Libyans to take down Pan Am and, you know, the Lockerbie flight and all that. But he's also teaching him a lesson where he says, distance is your best friend and your greatest ally. The rap says he had been taught by Hurley, your greatest ally after your number one objective after taking someone else, uh, is taking someone out, is putting distance between you and the target. And so they already move from Istanbul. Then they went to, um, where did they do the Dorfman hit? I think in Germany. In Germany. In Germany. Yeah. And now they're on their way to Zurich with bankers. So they're just all over the world. And I think that's something Hurley is also teaching them throughout this trip right there's a lot of pedagogy between them in these scenes yeah no and it's it's ha- it's all happening very quickly but i think like mitch is picking it up pretty fast um you see how how adaptable mitch is so yeah and i think you it, it adds plausibility to the mission that mitch partakes in the second half at the very end like right. you know you think that oh wait no he actually could do something like this because i think without little things like these various um operations that mitch goes on or these conversations or even like the training scene having just that ending like doesn't add any sort of credence to like thinking about oh yeah mitch he actually that guy couldn't do that you know right it makes it way more believable you know we brought up a little bit of comedic relief well don reminds me in the chat here that moment (laughs) oh yeah where he talks about uh he's giving an example about sherman Yeah. He's like, we got to be like Sherman, march to the sea, just burn everything in our wake, destroy this whole entire, you know, blow the whole thing up, light it all on fire. And meanwhile, Richards is from Georgia and Rap's just laughing like, you just really gave a Sherman example in front of the pretty boy from Georgia. <laughs> that, that's a good that, one. That was fun. Good was catch. Funny. Good catch. But we're on our way to the Olmeyers. I'm curious, Chris, what did you think about two things here? Uh, the utility, uh, the actual reasons they're going to Zurich and meeting mm-hmm. with Stan's old friends. And it, it's kind of you get the feel off the books like Irene and Stansfield are funding everything he's doing, but he's keeping him in the dark. So I want to know, how do you feel about the actual utility and the role the old Myers will play? And then how do you feel about personally how rap is going to take to the old <laughs> family? So well, both the work I, and the fun. <laughs> I think that this this whole scene, you know, these couple chapters where they're there is supposed to set up two things. Like, all right, first we have to think about it, right? 
I think Vince was trying to set up this trilogy, a uh, trilogy prequel, right? Where you had American Assassin, Kill Shot, and Book. Unfortunately, we never got. Hopefully, Kyle will will get it. And so this is the first introduction of Mitch's, you know, first love interest that we see after um, Maureen, Ma- Mary, or Mary as they call it, <laughs> Mary slash Maureen. Um, we need to get IT on that to figure out, I, you know. I feel what, like we need Ryan actual... Stack. I feel we like do. Ryan would have the answer to this. Yeah. I, um, when we can or, get him, that's going to be one of my first questions for him. Yeah. Is, is it Mary, Mary or is it Maureen? Maureen? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was to set up his first love interest and um, take us down that road. And then the second thing is, it, it's kind of cool. So you remember from, you've seen Born Identity, right? Right. So there's those scenes where he goes to these safety deposit boxes and they're set up and stuff like that. And this is, this was kind of cool because it gave us a peek behind like the setting up of that and like how people think, how these spies, you know, sometimes the spy craft in these books is not the focus, you know, it's more so operational, you know, going in and, and taking out people, I guess that way. But then here we get a peek at like how good of a spy Mitch will eventually become, right. uh, not just an operative, you know, and because Hurley, Hurley teaches him because Hurley teaches him and, you know, Hurley's like, I, I don't want to know. Like, I this is you have a couple identities. How good's your right. French? How good's your Italian? Yep. Uh, my German's not so good. You know, so here he has to memorize these three things. Yep. Drop boxes I I, in all these cities, right? And uh, you know, there's this amount of cash. You set it up with other things, which I'm I'm assuming he means guns and ammunition, whatever. Uh, but it was it was kind of cool because it was a peek behind the curtain of right. some of these things we see in other novels that these spies have already set up. Right. And speaking of the drop boxes and this network, that's going to pay off when we get to the end scene with the man who put the suitcases with the guns in the hotel rooms, Rob Ridley. So I'm really excited to get there towards the end as well. But yeah, we, we see this whole network coming together that I think also speaks to the importance of the actual individuals. The CIA and the work they're doing is not just this bureaucratic behemoth with paperwork. I'm sure, you know, that's 95% of it. But the effective part is guys like Hurley, even at their age, staying in the game, keeping their connections. Olmeyer is never going to be someone officially on the CIA books who everything he does is documented. But he's getting the guys in the field the paperwork. He's getting them the insurance policies. He's giving them... Uh, safe harbor, you know, in the different towns where his children live. And these are like the only people the operatives can call in the field when shit goes south, like even when your own government can't protect you. And I really like the idea that Hurley brings that to the table instead of some official CIA pipeline that's like, here's the number you call if you're ever in trouble. No, like you call Hurley's buddy, who was this dude who grew up behind the Iron Curtain and went to right. college in East Berlin and realized, fuck the communists. I'm going to work with the Americans. And so, like, Olmeyer's motivations here are are so it, – it's a minor character, right? Very Doesn't minor. come up all that much. His banking network, I think, is referenced at other times throughout the books. But Vince still gives such a backstory on him. He went to Humboldt University in East Berlin. He fled to the West after realizing, you know, communism is is all bullshit. Uh, he hated living under a communist regime. And Olmeyer even has religious motivations where Vince quotes Luke twelve twenty eight, 
For those to whom much is given, much is required. Olmeyer saw communism for the sham that it was, a bunch of brutes who seized power in the name of the people only to repress the very people they had claimed to champion. In that one quote, he just built out a whole character that I totally jive with, even if we don't see him that much again. Like, right. That's a persona right. to me that withstands the test of time, and Vince just brought that into his books with a couple of chapters. Yep. Well, so what... But what's your perception of his granddaughter, Greta? Okay. Um, I, I we really have one enjoyed... listener here who said they didn't, they never really cared about her because she's she's not mentioned much. I think she plays a small role in Killshot, right? Right. Um, but then she's literally never mentioned again. You know, I, whereas I like think... like Donatella is mentioned. You know that right. he, she comes she was back. along. She comes back and back and back, and obviously we have right. Anna and Claudia and whatever. But you know, Kyle has never even like thought to mention this girl. I think one could criticize this as a discontinuity, right? Sure. What happens between kill shot and transfer of power? Where we Greta is out of the picture, never mentioned again, and then there's this Anna character. Okay, that that's a shift. But we we know Vince probably would have told that story if given, yeah. you know, the the time to do so. And there's still opportunities. To tell that story, you know, fans clamor for the kill shot to transfer power gap being filled in. So I I don't see that as a discontinuity that's going to bother me or that makes me think less of the series. I see it more as an opportunity that was missed, unfortunately, due to um, the circumstances that happened, but also an opportunity to come. And I think looking at the psychology of these operatives, I think there's a possibility of having something so deep happen to rap that he 100% represses it Mm. and then later on in his life almost his like transitioning out phase of life some doc like a doc lewis is able to bring that out of the depths of the recesses i think there is good storytelling that can say why her character is so hidden it would never come up in any aspect of his life you know like he wanted to protect her or something like he knew keeping her in his life and ever having contact with her again would put her in jeopardy now that his name is out there and he officially right. works for the CIA. So I think you could pull it off. I think it's an opportunity. You could. You could. Almost like uh, Ethan Hunt's uh, wife in uh, Mission Impossible. Where, like, she gets married in the third one, and then he, like, has to step away. You know? And I think eventually she comes back, like, seven movies later or whatever. But, you know, that's a, yeah. a plot you could you could use. Yeah. Kyle has to do this. Like, right. who, who can we call? I, mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> who, who do we need to call? Not David. Someone at Simon and Schuster. It's probably like someone in the Flynn family that Gotta doesn't want to finish it. I don't know. Light it for Kyle. I mean, Gotta. just think you can do. We've talked about it before. Kennedy's father. You can do Stansfield. You can do Hurley. All of those characters working together, like our Maslick, our Coleman. You know, all of them working together just in a novel would be absolutely fascinating. Got it. But another side of of what I like that Greta brings. We see everything Rap went through in the training. We see him going through this transition, and it's almost too easy. Like, that's what made Stansfield nervous and Doc Lewis a little apprehensive. How is Rap going to do after his first kill? How is Rap going to do out in the field with so little training, comparatively speaking? I think the Greta scene shows he's still a kid. Like, right. He's fumbling, like, with how yeah. he gets, like, butterflies. He gets a butterfly. He gives up his name. Like, he says Mitch instead yeah, of Mike right. Cruz. Um, 
It's a little Mike bit Cruz out of again. character, a little bit, but you know. He's usually Mitch Cruz in Transfer Power and Beyond, but here he he's going with Mike Cruz. Mike Cruz. I wonder where that, anyway. Maybe because he gives up to Greta that he's Mitch he's Cruz, Mitch. and so now Mitch is out there. And I think he says rap at one point even. So anyway, I, I like that he's he's fumbling. It shows this transition to Assassin is not 100% done and dusted. You know, he's a professional, yes, but something like Love, <laughs> he could fall. And Greta is the one to bring that out in him. And Greta's grandmother. A couple of wisecracks about how if Greta doesn't sleep with him, <laughs> she's going to. She will. That was funny. I like it. Funny. I like it. A little levity. All right. So right after this, the they're, they're supposed to go on this mission, right? And But Irene wants to send uh, Mitch on a little side mission before they eventually meet up in Beirut. Because the goal is to get them to Beirut. They've taken the money. They've traced a little bit. They've figured out some some different things. We don't have Marcus yet, right? Uh, so obviously, someone else has has figured this out. Well, the phone calls. Did, oh, right, it's the, it's the phone calls. Did you think of that recent? Did you see the news article about the FBI sting? It was a few weeks no, ago. No, dude, it was the massive organized crime bust in history. The FBI and like nine other countries and organizations, I think, arrested something like 900 people, like literally overnight. Look at how they did it. They planted bugged cell phones in these networks by pretending it's an encrypted system. You have to have one of these phones, which you had to get from another guy you trust who made the phone because it's 100% encrypted. And they had organized crime rings across continents. I think Sweden was in it. Australia was in it. They literally made the devices, convinced all these drug lords and and different organized crime bosses that they were 100% encrypted. And it was literally the FBI listening to every single device. It was called like the Anam app or something. And like it was the biggest like organized crime takedown in history. And it just makes me think here how many times Irene mentions, I can't tell you it's classified, but this intel is secure. And Rap figures out, oh, Sharif was on the phone. We must have been listening to that phone call. And later on, he says something like, you got that by listening to the phone calls? And she's like, we can't tell you that. Right. But it just They're made always me think listening. That, that current, that, that recent story. They're always listening. Dude, look it up. Look it up. The story was right. freaking mind boggling. I'll know not to download that app next time I'm planning my... Revenge of the world, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you off. It, it's okay. We were talking about this mission that Irene wants to send him on, which kind of it's it's a very interesting how this sort of filler chapter. I guess the purpose of it, right, is to split Mitch and Hurley up so that way Hurley and Richards can get taken, or else it doesn't. You know, the whole rest right. of the plot doesn't make sense. Right. But this little two chapter scene where Mitch has to go kill this guy. Um, I don't. Know, it was it was super Pretty detailed, cool. and it, yeah. it, it 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 obviously is very similar to other different opera operation based chapters we've gotten from Vince. But I don't. Know, I just really enjoyed it. Right. I was gonna have the same critique. I was like, oh, the prelude says two guys get taken. One goes in to save them. Okay. Hurley and Richards got to get taken, and Rap's <laughs> yeah, got to exactly. be somewhere. Else. Exactly. So it's like exactly. it's a little bit of a red herring. And I was like, who's this Ismail guy? We have intelligence, something with the Libyans. Kind of cool the Libyans were brought in because it turns out there is evidence pointing to their involvement in Pan Am Lockerbie. 
and possibly right. other kidnappings in Beirut. So I thought that was a good connection. But then the scene was just so freaking awesome. I didn't care. I stopped critiquing. And you know right. I could critique. I, 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 I stopped critiquing because you got rap running from this Ismail guy. He was about to kill him. He saw him early. Rap takes cover because Hurley told him in a gunfight, you either keep moving and advancing or you just take cover and count the bullets. And so Rap said, I'm going to take cover and count the bullets. And then later on, after a chase, he hid behind a Mercedes and he was trying to figure out what caliber bullet they were, whether or not they bounced off the Mercedes or if they penetrated the interior and deflected. And by the sounds of the bullet, he knew the size of the magazine. Because this caliber would have this many shots. If right. it pierced, if it pierced the side of the Mercedes, it would be a bigger caliber. So there's less uh, bullets in the magazine. And I was just like freaking loving every minute of it. I didn't care about any sort of you know break in the storyline, the plot line in terms of why is he here, what's he doing. It was awesome. And then the the guy Ismail takes this lady, takes a hostage. hostage. Yeah, and raps like, wait. If he had bullets, he would have just shot me. There's no reason exactly. for him to hide behind this lady. If he's pausing and not shooting at me, he's out of bullets. And so Rap knows he can advance. And right, right. as he advances, he trips over the dog and Rap gets the upper hand. Yeah. It's, it's just awesome. It's a really good chapter. And then, like, also, we get right after that, we get, you know, Rap runs away, but then comes back to the scene to make it, you know, to, to sort of. Why does he come back to the scene? Make the well, scene he, like um, he's, he's just not, a guy like, walking around. He's just town. a guy walking by. He's like, oh, then he then he knows where to like throw his gun, and then he, then we see very similar to the third option, like how he's able to process getting out of town. And oh, I love this. Yeah, getting to the border, and then taking a train, and then driving, or or, or you know, flying, whatever. Yep. And I love he, the scene where like he's he's driving, and he's listening to like. It really dates this book. Um, Euro trash. Like Euro trash. He's listening to Let's like see some... when that album came out. <laughs> I guess eighty nine or ninety because that's right when this is. And he gives anyway. it to um gives it to that one guy at the, the border at the, guard at the border guard of Beirut. That was that was a nice little touch. But that's right. Although we get a little glimpse into what rap would have rather been listening to. Yes, I think we need a rap playlist because he says, "I bought the Euro trash for my cover." You know, so I can impress the border guards because I knew they'd be, you know, teenagers with the pop music. But he wanted to listen to some U2 and Bob Seger. He did. I'm down. I'm down. That would seem a little strange driving through the Swiss, I guess, which border is he going to? France. But yeah, speaking of music, Bob Seger. Kyle picked up on the, the music train to help us out with the rap playlist. Bruce came up twice in the last two books. He did. He did. Rap was playing a Bruce song <laughs> when he stole the truck with the drug cartel and lethal agent. And then at his own house in Manassas, when Scott takes, what's the girl's name in total in um, total power? Sonia. Sonia. When Scott takes Sonia home, he turns on Rap's stereo system. And I think it's also playing Bruce. Right. So Mitch is a Bruce fan. He's a, he's a boss fan. Hashtag rap playlist if you have any songs <laughs> to add. You two, Bob Seeger, and Bruce Springsteen to the rap playlist. That's the vibe we're going for. So. All right, guys. Really hope that you enjoyed. 
Chris and my discussion live about American Assassin, the start of the second half. However, we went rather long, so we are going to split this into two 45-minute episodes and bring you our ending of the book, our discussion on the ending of the book, and our cover discussion, along with our final ratings and final reviews. Wait for it. It's going to be good. We'll bring that to you next week, but we want to thank everybody who joined us live. It was a blast, and we look forward to doing it again real soon. We can't thank them enough, our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review us using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at MitchRapPod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Gorilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.